Mother dear, can I go downtown instead of out to play? To march the streets of Birmingham in a freedom march today? No, baby, no. You cannot go, for those dogs are are fierce and wild. Clubs and hoses, guns and jails aren't good for a little child. But mother, I won't go alone. My friends will go with me and we'll march the streets of Birmingham and we'll make our country free. No, baby, no, you cannot go for I'm fearful that those guns will fire. But you can go to church and sing in the children's choir. She combed and brushed her dark night hair and bathed the rose petal sweet and slipped white gloves on her small brown hands and put white shoes on her feet. And her mother smiled to to know her child was in that sacred place, but that would be the, the last smile to come upon her face. For when she heard the explosion Her eyes grew wet and wild. She raced through the streets of Birmingham calling for her child. She clawed her way through bits of brick and glass, then pulled out a shoe. Oh baby, here's the shoe you wore, but baby, where are you? This poem The Ballad of Birmingham describes a time in our nation, 1963, where 350 years of injustice, injustice, 350 years of the white population dehumanizing the black population, believing that, that we were better than them, enslaving them, was continuing on the streets of Birmingham in a gross display of segregation and sin for the entire world to see. It was being played out in the media. And the Ballad of Birmingham captures the story of of those brave men, women, and children who wanted to march, a peaceful march on the streets of Birmingham, really culminating with a tragic bombing in September of 1963, where four young Black girls who were in Sunday school lost their lives. Have we come any further today? Is there not chaos on our streets? Is there not people marching saying, does my life matter? Is social media not playing out an argument day after day? People are burning their Nikes as we speak. Where is the church of Jesus Christ? Did Jesus not come for one diversely united church? Did Jesus not come to open the kingdom up 
for everyone to enjoy? Where were the Christian voices? Where were the white brothers and sisters? What if we would have followed William Seymour after the Azusa Street Revival, this outpouring of the Holy Spirit led by a humble black man where white, black, and Latino worshiped together and experienced the call of God and went to the nations. The Los Angeles Times wrote an article about the Azusa Street Revival saying, it's a disgraceful intermingling of the races. And once again, God by his spirit was doing what he always does, calling the church to be one reconciling body in Christ, one new humanity. But we failed to walk out what God was trying to teach us. There's a story in John chapter 4. It's a story about Jesus meeting with a woman at a well. And the Bible says in John chapter 4 that, that Jesus had to go through Samaria It was a drawing of the Holy Spirit. It was an ordained moment. Samaria was the wrong side of the railroad tracks. It was a mixed race of people. And and Jesus goes and he begins to interact with this woman. And I want to read from John chapter 4. I'm going to start in verse number 7. It says, When a Samaritan woman came to draw water... Jesus said to her, will you give me a drink? And his disciples had gone into town to buy food. And the Samaritan woman said to him, but you are a Jew and I am a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? For Jews do not associate with Samaritans. But I've got these little dots in my Bible app. Do you have that? And if you click on that, you find out that there's an alternative translation for Jews do not associate with Samaritans. The Greek word, the the actual primary translation, do not associate, says to use jointly. The issue at hand that day was that Jews and Samaritans couldn't use the same dishes. And so when Jesus asked the Samaritan woman, can I have a drink, she's shocked because she's saying, wait a second, the well is deep and you have nothing to draw water with. Why in the world is she saying you have nothing to draw water with when she has something to draw water with? Because she knows that they're not supposed to drink from the same cup. So then he says, if you, would, if you knew who I was, you would have asked me for living water. And it's the same interplay. Her response to him is the shock. How in the world can we use jointly the same cup? Now check this out. That's 2,000 years ago. I want, you, want to show you a picture from 1963 American history. The greatest nation on earth with churches being planted and the people of God experiencing the revival of the Holy Spirit 
failed to stand up to this great injustice, this dehumanization of people because of their ethnicity. And 2,000 years ago, 2,000 years ago, Jesus shared a cup with a Samaritan woman. And here we are in 1963, struggling, struggling to follow the kingdom of God and what Jesus came for. And so today, I want to inspire you. I want to encourage you. I want to call you to action to stand strong and to bring the kingdom of God, a kingdom that represents every tongue, tribe, and nation. Someday in heaven, we'll worship together. And Jesus' prayer was, Father, I pray that, that they'd be one, as you and I are one, so that the world will know that you sent me. See, reconciling church is attractive. Reconciling church is an apologetic for the gospel. 2004, the church I'd grown up in, the church I'd been called into ministry, declared a vision for racial reconciliation. I'll never forget that declaration. It began the first exodus of people out of our church. Over a hundred years of history, an amazing congregation, people who love the Lord. But they had this question, what does reconciliation have to do with the Bible? And over the last 15 years, we've seen God do amazing things. Not only do we worship together in white, white and black and address head-on this racial fracture and pain that exists in our cities, but 33 nations join the church as well. People from all over the earth. And together, we're, we're learning how to be one new humanity, as Paul says in Ephesians chapter 2. It says, Jesus himself is our peace. And he came to tear down the barrier the dividing wall of hostility so the two groups can become one. And that in Christ, we can become one new, new man, one new humanity. I have a question for you this morning. Did Jesus come to tear down the dividing wall of hostility between Jews and Gentiles so the Gentiles could be divided? Jesus is calling us to reconciling church. I had this experience when I was in college. I needed some more classes to graduate. And uh, I decided I'd have to stay back and take some summer courses. And so I'm, I'm in Missouri, and my friend who grew up there said, you know what, my parents live about 20 minutes from the university out in the country. You can stay with them for the summer and fin finish up your classes. And I was like, well, that, that's great, you know. And so I go and I... I'm hanging out at their house, and then something really tragic happens. They sell their house on me, okay? And, and I've, I've got to figure out where I'm going to live next. So my friend Jake says, hey, Tom, you know what? I've got this other friend that I grew up in high school with, and, and his house is a little bit further out in the country, and, and you can just go there and live. And I said, oh, that's a great solution. I'd, I'd love to stay there. 
And I'm like, is, is your friend there? And he said, no, he's not. Okay. I said, well, who, who's at the house? And he tells me nobody's at the house. And so I'm, I'm like, okay, uh, what do you mean? He says, well, his mom's a flight attendant and she's usually not home, so you can just go and stay there. So I don't know what I was thinking, but I drove myself out into the country. <laughs> I went up to a house I'd never been to and I opened the front door and I went down the hall and I just started living in a bedroom. <laughs> I'll never forget on day four, I'm sitting at the kitchen table eating my cereal and a Chinese girl comes from upstairs and sits down next to me and starts eating breakfast. <laughs> I don't even know where she came from. I didn't even know she was in the house. A couple days later, the owner of the house meets me in the kitchen in her nightgown and I'm introducing myself for, to her for the first time saying thanks for letting me live in your house. I mean, it was the strangest situation of my life. And so I had to, I was in this psychology course. I, I had to do something with behavior modification where you try to start a new behavior and reward yourself. So I decided, okay, I, I got to do some running. And of course, I was delayed on doing my assignment. Has anyone ever experienced that before? And so I got to run and it's getting dark and we're out in the country. And st- so I start running down this country road. And the houses are far back from the road. And they're, they're, they're so far back, and I see out of the corner of my eye when I'm running, I see two black things, and they start moving, and they're moving fast, and I realize they're dogs. And, and I'm running, and they're still a distance away, but they're coming closer to me, and my heart starts pounding, and I'm running, and I'm going as fast as I can, and, and pretty soon they get on the street behind me and they're gaining on me. And I can hear them coming. And it came to the point where I was just waiting for their teeth to sink into the back of my leg. And so I had remembered before that, that, that fear's not good around dogs. And in a moment of desperation, I'm running and I'm waiting for them to just maul me over and take me down. And, I, and all of a sudden I turn around on a dime and I just stomp and yell like this. And the dogs scatter both ways. And then I, I continue on my journey and they just stop dead in the road. And here was the problem. I'm in the country and I don't know like how long the block is. It's not like a block. I don't know where to go. And so there I am standing in the dark looking at these two dogs who are growling at me, thinking, am I going to just sleep out here, you know, on the side of the field? What, what do I do? And I had to work up the bravery. It probably took me 15 minutes. I just decided if they're going to bite me, they're going to bite me, right? And so I, I literally walked past those dogs that day. There's two things that have kept the church on the run. There's two things that have kept the diversely united church that Jesus paid for on the run. One is idolatry of self. 
When are we going to consider others better than ourselves? When are we going to be crucified with Christ? When are we going to love our neighbor as ourselves? When are we going to be willing to let our voice diminish so that someone else's can increase? When are we going to stop and listen instead of being quick to speak? And so if we're going to be a reconciling church, if we're going to make a difference in this nation, we've got to die to ourselves. And the second is the idolatry of our nation. America is not the new Jerusalem. America is not the hope of the world. America is a great place, and we are all blessed to live here, but America has a horrible history of mistreating people. And when we entangle 21st century American politics with the church of Jesus Christ in the kingdom of God, I guarantee you we get it wrong every single time. Where is your allegiance this morning? Is it to God or our nation? You see, the kingdom of God works in every political strategy from the beginning of time to the end of time. It's global, it's historical, it's biblical, it far supersedes any thoughts we have about how things need to run. So this morning, I want to invite you, it's called men and women of the kingdom, to make a difference in America. We have this phrase with Church Multiplication Network that we want to plant a church in every community. We want to plant a church in every community because we want to reach everybody. And I don't know about you, but I don't want to plant a church that only reaches 60% of my community or 40% of my community or 20% of my community. I want to reach everyone. So as we close this morning, I, I want to pray for you. I want to pray today that God would give you the boldness to live out the kingdom of God. I want to pray today that God would help you become a reconciler. I want to pray today that God would help you be a voice of change. I want to pray today that, that his kingdom would come and his will would be done on earth as it is in heaven and in your life as well. And in this response time, I, I, I just want to say, will you walk past those dogs? Just like I stood there in the dark that night just staring at the dogs thinking, am I going to have the courage to walk past those dogs? Are you willing to die to yourself and die to what you believe about 21st century American politics so that the kingdom of God can grow? Because we need a generation of people who are willing to turn around and say, Ha! Yeah! Because all authority has been given to us in Christ Jesus. And we are more than conquerors. And he that is in you is greater than he that is in this world. And it's time to be the people of God. 
So I'm going to say a prayer. And as I'm praying, if, man, if you, if you feel led to, to make a stand today, say, you know what, I want to be all in to do church like heaven on earth, to be a reconciling person, to be part of the fullness of the kingdom of God. As I pray, can, can you just stand to your feet? Maybe you want to come up here and worship some more as the worship team plays one last song. But you're also dismissed after my prayer today. But Father, I thank you for this group of students today. I thank you for their calling. I thank you for the dreams and visions and passions that they have. I thank you, Jesus, for the doctors and lawyers and, and nurses and entrepreneurs and, and ministry majors and, and pastors and missionaries and, and educators and wow, God. These students are going to play such a critical role in advancing your kingdom in the days ahead. But Jesus, I pray today that you would give them great boldness. Jesus, I pray that you'd give them courage. I pray that they would be reconcilers in their, their friendships and their families and their communities. God, as they journey ahead, I pray that you would give them courage to represent fully your kingdom and your heart for all people, not letting anything come in the way between people coming to a saving knowledge of Jesus. Amen. God bless you. Powerful. Thank you, my brother. You're welcome. Outstanding. Yeah, <laughs>